Welcome to the Painesville Assembly of God podcast. We're always encouraged to know God is working through this ministry to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending us an email at info at Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. How many of you know there is a lot of baggage that we carry around, isn't there? There's a lot of baggage we can carry around. There's a lot of things, not just baggage. We're talking physical baggage when you travel, but we're talking about emotional baggage. We're talking about stress and strain baggage. We're talking about all kinds of things, spiritual baggage that we can pick up along the way. And so this Christmas, we're talking about how we can let go of some things and we can learn how to travel light. And uh, two weeks ago, we talked about letting go of stuff. Christmas is a time where you can buy a lot of stuff, accumulate a lot of stuff, accumulate a lot of debt that can then cause you to be stressed out and miss out on the joy of Christmas. And so uh, I encourage you to go back and listen to the messages there online, our website. You can download our app for free, follow along with sermon notes, and then also you can listen to messages that are on there as well. But uh, we talked about letting go of stuff. Stuff can bog us down. Stuff can stress us out. And, uh, and so we talked about letting go of stuff. Last week we talked about letting go of distractions. How many know there can be a lot of distractions in our lives? Things that distract us from what the real meaning of Christmas is all about. Things that distract us away from Jesus. Things that can get in the way where we can become overly busy, where we can get focused on the wrong things. And we talked about Mary and Martha and the differences between them and how Martha was missing out on the fact that Jesus had actually come to her house. And how many times do we miss out on the important moments in relationships, the important moments with family, because we get caught up being distracted by the details or distracted by the wrong things? Well, today we're going to talk about something that I think is extremely destructive, something that if we continue to hang on to can destroy relationships and really can destroy our lives. And uh, in fact, I think many people hate Christmas because there are certain things they haven't dealt with that get brought to the center whenever we're around different family or friends or different people. So today we're going to talk about getting rid of or letting go of bitterness. Letting go of bitterness. Don't get up and leave, all right? It'll be okay. I promise you it'll be okay. Hebrews chapter 12, 14 and 15 is going to be a key text for us this morning and it says this, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. For without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Then it says this, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Now, friends, I'm going to tell you, I am convinced that one of the greatest tools of our spiritual enemy to destroy relationships and poison hearts is this thing that the Bible calls a root of bitterness. In fact, the root of bitterness usually begins with a, a situation, a circumstance, something that happens to you in which you were hurt or offended, and, uh, and that, those things happen, right? We get hurt, we get offended, right? And, and what happens is, is that bitter roots begin to be defined by not the hurt that comes, not the offense, because we will be offended, but rather by our reaction to it. 
how we handle the hurt, how we handle the offense, how we handle when somebody does something to us that really just gets under our skin and what do we do with that. And eventually those kinds of reactions to those painful events or those difficult events, if not dealt with, can at the, react, at the core can, can take a seed of offense and it can grow into a root of bitterness. In fact, the truth is, it's impossible, as I said, to walk through life without experiencing some kind of hurt or some kind of painful event or some kind of offense. Luke chapter 17 and verse 1, Jesus said to his disciples, it is impossible that no offenses should come. So I, I just want you just to get out of the way right now. You are going to be offended. You are going to be hurt. There are going to be painful circumstances, and there are going to be people who, again, are faulty people. Nobody is perfect. Is there anybody in this room you'd say, I'm perfect? If you are, we, we get some help for you because you're not, and you need to get off that high horse. We're not, so we're imperfect people hanging out with imperfect people, and how many of you know that hurt and pain is going to happen, right? It's going to happen. These things happen. But if we allow the seed of offense, the hurt, the wound, the injustice to linger in our hearts, then it becomes a root of bitterness and it can steal our joy and keep us from enjoying the peace that God desires for our life and for our relationships. So here's what we know. Here's what I know about God. Here's some things, three things that I know about God. God wants us to love, but our enemy wants to kill love. God wants us to love, but I'm going to tell you the enemy wants to kill Love. Secondly, God wants us to grow in intimacy in our relationships. God wants us to develop close relationships with one another. That is one of the, the core things about life is that we were designed to be in relationship with others. But our enemy loves to get in the way and wants to destroy intimacy. The enemy wants to make your relationships shallow. The enemy wants you to put walls up and to keep yourself back and to hold yourself back and not enjoy what God has promised through relationships. Thirdly, God wants us to trust, but our enemy wants to steal our trust and to leave us bitter, to leave us bitter. In fact, I believe our enemy will do everything possible to plant a seed of offense in our hearts that will grow up into a root of bitterness that will steal our joy, that will steal our joy. It could be a Christmas meal every year where the same person comes in and they bring absolutely nothing, and instead what they bring is empty Tupperware containers so that they can take the food home with them. They didn't bring anything, but they brought their Tupperware containers. That's the one thing they did bring. And they're bringing, and you're just thinking, oh my goodness, every year it's the same thing. I don't know why they do that. Why do they, I just can't, I can't, can you just believe that? And you go home and you're in the car on the way home and you're talking to your spouse and do you see that? Do you believe that? Can you, come on, they never do anything. Some of you laugh, you have somebody. Somebody came to mind. You know who that person is. It could be something more, more serious than that, somebody that lies to you, somebody that deceives you, talks bad about you. They, they talk to you to your face one way, and you think, oh, and, then, in the, and then, then behind the scenes, you hear about all the things that they're lying about or all the things they're talking to you about or all the things that are going, and a seed of offense begins to grow into a root of bitterness. Or it's that relative that's always critical. They're critical of everything that you do, the way you raise your kids, the way you spend your money, where you go to church. No matter what you do, the meals you make, just never good enough. And they just continue, continue, continue. Just sick and tired of the criticism. I just don't want to be around that. I don't want to get together with them. I'm done. Anybody know what I'm talking about? 
There are a lot of things that can happen in our lives. And if we're not careful, we can begin to take that seed of offense. We can take those seeds of anger, and it can grow into a root of bitterness that can poison our lives. Throughout the Bible, we're encouraged to monitor something, and we're called to monitor the condition of our heart. In fact, Proverbs 4.23 says, Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow springs of life. Do you know that what happens in our heart, what we have inside of our hearts, impacts our lives, impacts our actions, impacts the things that we do. Back in Matthew chapter 15, 19, and 20, Jesus said this, For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what make a man unclean, but eating with unwashed hands does not make him unclean. See, he and his disciples were out, and his disciples didn't wash their hands before they ate, and the Pharisees were kind of upset and offended by that, and Jesus wanted to deal with something that was going on inside of them. And he said, listen, that, okay, they didn't wash their hands on the outside, but you're so focused on the outside, you're forgetting something that's very important, and that is what is going on inside your heart. Out of your heart is flowing all of these things. So going back to Proverbs 4.23, watch over your heart. For out of it flow springs of life. Out of what is stored in the heart come the behaviors like the evil thoughts and the murder and the slander and the sexual immorality. In fact, in Luke 6.45, it says this, the good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil that is stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. You see the language here? The heart is a storage area. And what we allow to get stored in our hearts eventually comes in the words that we speak and our actions. Jesus reinforced this again, Matthew chapter 5, 34 and 35, a different translation puts it this way, how can you speak good things when you are evil? For the mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart, a good man produces good things from his storeroom of good, and an evil man produces evil things from his storeroom of evil. The heart is a storage area. The heart is a place where things get stored, get lodged, and, and out of that storage area comes fruit of our lives. Whether that fruit be the fruit of the spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. Uh, again, against such things there is no law. That's what's found in Galatians. Or out of the storage area of the heart, a root of bitterness can get in, and that's what begins to flow out. The fruit of bitterness begins to flow out. The words that we speak, the critical actions that we take, the words of hate or the slander or it comes into other areas where we're masking the hurt or we're trying to, to, to kind of mask the pain or the insecurities and comes out sexual immorality and other things come from a problem in the heart. In fact, when bitterness and a bitter root is fed by offenses, hurt and anger begin to store up, you can think of it like a ledger. We're hurt and we're offended, and so we begin to place it on a tally sheet that we keep in our heart, maybe in our head, but it's in, inside in the heart. And on that tally sheet, we begin to keep a record of the wrongs that are done to us. And Paul reminds us in talking about love in 1 Corinthians 13, 5, that love keeps no record of wrongs. But that's hard to do, isn't it? 
It's hard not to keep a record of wrongs. It's hard not to, to keep a ledger. We find ourselves hurt or angry, and, 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 and it's like, I got, boy, they just did that to me, and they did this to me, and they did that. And it just, it just keeps adding up. Keeps adding up on the, on the list. In fact, Andy Stanley in a book called A Matter of the Heart says that we need to understand this type of ledger from a debt perspective. We need to, we need to look at this from the heart of a debt-to-debtor relationship. When you're hurt or you're offended or, or angry, it's usually because you didn't get something you felt you deserved. That's really what it is. It could be simple as respect. I, I didn't, I, I, they're not giving me the respect that I desire. I, didn't, I, didn't, I deserve a promotion in my job. I deserved a bonus in my job. I deserved some kind of recognition, and I didn't get it. And so now I'm angry and upset because I didn't get what I deserved. I didn't get what I deserved. It could be something like more serious, like I, I deserve confidence and trust, and you betrayed my confidence and trust by, by your actions, by your lying, by your mistrust, and because of that, uh, I, you know, you, I didn't get that, I don't have that confidence, I don't get that trust, I, I thought better, I thought our relationship was closer, I, I deserved better than that. Maybe it has to do with a spouse who broke trust through adultery or deeply hurt you by betraying marriage vows. Or a parent who gave more attention to work or hobbies. And so you feel as if you've been ripped off because you didn't get the kind of childhood you deserved. There's all kinds of scenarios. If you boil it down, the offense, the anger, the feelings are feelings that somebody took something from you that you deserved and you feel as if they owe you. You say, no, I don't feel that way. Then why do we use language when we're talking about forgiveness and an apology where we say you owe me an apology? They owe me an apology. We're using debtor language because deep down inside, we understand this. We know that this is a principle and that hurt and offense and painful things that happen really begin to move inside of us in a feeling of saying, I didn't deserve that. I didn't deserve to be treated like that. I deserve something better. You owe me because you took something from me. And in a relationship standpoint, you're in debt. You're in relational debt to me. In fact, this is where a root of bitterness begins to grow up because as the hurts come and the people go deeper and deeper into, into debt and the ledger begins to grow, the bitterness and the anger begins to grow. And Ephesians 4.31, Paul encourages us to do this when we start to experience that hurt and pain and bitterness. He said, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander along with every other form of malice. But notice what he starts with. He says, let go of all the bitterness. Why? Because when we have something that is going on in terms of bitterness, rage, anger, those kind of things are fruit that follows. We have bitterness and anger stored up in our heart. It comes out in different forms, and we feel like we can't express our anger. Maybe we can't express it to the person, but it comes out in other ways. It comes out to other people that we feel are safe. And it begins to turn inward. It can lead to depression. Anger turned inward when you don't express, when you keep it hidden, and you turn it inward can turn and lead to things like depression, hopelessness. Paul says, get rid of it. It means to separate yourself from it. It's kind of like when you walk into a spider web, and, you know, if you've ever done that, I hate that. When you walk in, you know, you don't expect it, and there's like a cobweb or a spider, and you're just like, ah! Am I the only one that does that? 
I look silly. You know, if there would ever be like one of them doorbell cameras or something, you know, I mean, it would be really one of those things that would go viral. But, you know, that's the kind of thing it is. Get rid of it. It's kind of like that spider web thing. Ah, I don't want that. Get rid of it. Ah, get that off of me. I don't want that feeling. That's what Paul says. Get rid of. Get rid of. But often when it comes to these emotions of hurt and pain and anger, it feels as if we're not in control of it. It's just how I feel. I'm not in control of that feel. That, I can't help that. I can't help it. it just, it's just what comes. I, I can't help it. And while I'm not going to deny the pain, I'm not going to deny that we were created with feelings and that, that those feelings get handled in different ways and that sometimes those things are painful. I will tell you this. All of us have a decision and a choice no matter what has happened to us. We can't control what happens to us, and we oftentimes will struggle with the feelings that follow, but we can control what we do with those feelings. We can control how we respond to those feelings. See, the problem is, as a child of God, if we are not careful, if we don't deal with those feelings, the Bible says you'll give the devil a foothold. In fact, Ephesians 4, 27 says that. That if you don't deal with the anger, if you don't deal with the anger, and again, it says, it, it talks about uh, not letting the sun go down on your anger. Sometimes we think about that as overnight, but that also might be interpreted from season to season. From one season to the next season, don't take that with you from one season to the next season. But it says if you don't deal with that, then you give the devil a foothold. Now I'm going to tell you something. When Jesus Christ came, when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he gave authority to us, but the enemy is always looking for a way to get in the enemy can't do anything that God doesn't allow you are a child of God the enemy can't do anything but you can allow certain things to allow the enemy to get in and one of the ways that we allow the enemy to get in is when we hang on to things and there's a root of bitterness and there's things that we don't deal with or make choices and we give the devil a foothold a place to be able to to begin to move and bring destruction to our lives and destruction to our relationships so how do we do this? How do we let go of bitterness? How do we deal with the anger that we feel inside? How do we get to the place where, as Hebrews encourages, we can live at peace with one another? Hebrews 4.31 gives us great tools, tools that we can use now, tools we can use in the future, tools that we can help us set us free this Christmas. Ephesians 4.32, here's the antidote. Paul is talking about bitterness, talking about all these, and then he follows it up, follows verse 31 about letting go of bitterness, letting go of anger, letting go of all of that. And here's what he says. How do you do it? Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ God forgave you. Let me give you some tools to kill the root of bitterness. Number one, you kill bitterness with compassion. You kill bitterness with compassion. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Now that seems counterintuitive, doesn't it? In fact, there are a lot of principles in the Bible that are counterintuitive. In fact, we would think that there's a certain way that we need to live in order to achieve, in order to, to get what we want, in order to not be taken advantage of, in order to, to have joy, in order to have peace, in order to have happiness. And I'm going to tell you something. The Bible flips the principle around that the worldview and the principles of this world and what this world says, this is how you ought to live, this is how you ought to deal with it, this is what you ought to do. The Bible turns it around, and oftentimes it's very counterintuitive. Let me give you some examples. Laws of heaven are opposite of human nature. Jesus said, if you want to be great, 
What should you do? Come on, Bible scholars. Serve. If you want to be great, what do you do? Serve one another. That is not what our world says. Our world says if you want to be great, you have to get a lot of people who will serve you. But Jesus says, no, if you truly want to be great, you must be the servant. You must serve. That's opposite. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 39, if someone strikes you on the right cheek, what are you supposed to do? Turn the other. What? They strike me on the cheek, I'm going to strike them back. I'm certainly not turning the other cheek. Next time I'll duck. That's what I'll do. I'll duck. And that's the opposite. In fact, it goes on to say that, that anyone who wants your tunic, what are you supposed to give him? Your cloak as well. That, was, that had to do with the Roman soldiers at that time. The Roman soldiers would come in. They'd like to take advantage of the Jews. And they'd say, okay, fine. I want your, I want your cloak. I, give me your cloak. Give me your, give, it, or give me your tunic. That's what I want. And, they, and Jesus said, here, you know what? Because here, here's what they want. They want control. They want to demonstrate to you that they're in control. They can control you. They can control what they can take from you because they have authority. He says, you know what? You know how you take back control? You know how you, you do that? You say, you know what? Fine. Here you go. And you know what? You can have this as well. I didn't ask for that. That's okay. Because you're not in control. Here you go. It's the opposite. It's the opposite. You give it in return. This seems crazy, doesn't it? It's just, it's crazy. Why shouldn't you defend yourself? Why shouldn't you stand up for your rights? Because in each of these scenarios, again, the idea is control. And Paul tells us that if you want to kill a root of bitterness inside, then you give kindness and compassion. To those that want to take advantage of you, to those that have hurt you, to those that want to create bitterness in you, don't let the enemy get a hold of bitterness. Instead, turn around and give compassion. In Romans chapter 12, Paul gave a very similar teaching to the church of Rome. He writes this in Romans 12, 14, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. You want to talk about opposite? Somebody persecutes us, somebody hurts us, what do we want to do, man? We want to, we want to defend ourselves, we want to rip them to shreds, we want to tell everybody what they've done to us, we want to put it all out, and social media, and garner all these people that say, you were treated badly, they're horrible, they're wrong, blah, 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 and all this other stuff. Jesus, no, 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 that's not the way you do it. You bless, you bless, you bless. How do you do this? Well, if we continue a couple verses down, Romans chapter 12 and verse 17, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you. See, oftentimes we say, but they won't, but them, but them, but them, but them, but them, but them, but them. Jesus says, don't worry about them. As far as it depends on you. Because you can't control them. You can't control what's in their heart. You can't control the pain in their heart, the bitterness in their heart, the anger in their heart, the insecurity in their heart that's causing them to react to you this way. All you can deal with is you. As far as it depends on you, here's what you're to do. Do not repay evil for evil. Be careful to do what's right. Live at peace. As far as it depends on you, you live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, 
It is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, oh, here we go. Get ready. If your enemy is hungry, your enemy, if your enemy is hungry, withhold food from him. Oh, wait a minute. That's not what it says. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. See, what does Paul understand? What is the Holy Spirit trying to teach us through his word? That as long as you are hanging on to bitterness, as long as you are hanging on to it, as long as you are the one that wants to repay, you are the one that wants to make sure they get what's coming to them, you are the one that wants to hold on to it and hold on to the hurt and hold on to the bitterness and hold on to the pain. The problem is you will become overcome by evil and it will bleed over into every area and you will become the one that people are upset with. Others will be a victim in your path. And he says, no, no, as far as it depends on you, you've got some choices to make here. And this is your choice is don't repay evil. Live at peace as far as it depends on you. You do what's right. And you know what? When your enemy is hungry, feed him. If your enemy is thirsty, give him something to drink. In other words, you take back control and you sow seeds of compassion. You sow seeds of love. Whew, man. Man, that's hard, right? Going back to this debtor idea, what gets stored in the heart, and this idea of hurt and offenses and relationships and the ledger, we're talking about a debt relationship. And he's saying, out of the debt, I want you to give. There's a debt that they owe. I want them to pay. He says, no, don't repay. Instead, you give. Don't look for repayment. Don't try to repay. Don't try to get them back because that's only going to cause more fallout. No, instead, here's what you do. You choose to do good. You overcome evil by good. And, and here's the answer. How do we do this? You transfer the collection of debt to the Lord. There's a debt that's owed to you. Rather than you looking to demand repayment, you're transferring that debt and you're saying, Lord you repay. Lord, I'm putting it into your hands. Father, you know the debt. You know what's needed. And you know what? I trust you that you can pay back. So you know what, Lord? You see what's been done. I'm putting it in your hands. I'm transferring what they owe me, the ledger they owe against me. I'm going to put it in your court. You become the collector. If you've ever had a company do that to you, when you've had collections that have been due and they no longer want to call you and deal with you, they turn it over to a collection agency and that collection agency begins to handle the debt for them. Well, it's time in these kinds of things that you begin to turn it over into the hands of the Lord and you say, Lord, I'm not going to try to collect. In fact, I'm just going to continue to give as far as it depends on me, but I'm going to put it in your hands and I'm going to say, Lord, they're in your hands. You collect. You collect. You know, the problem with that is oftentimes we're like Jonah. Remember Jonah? This isn't in my notes. It's not going to be on the PowerPoint. This is just extra. You know, sometimes the Lord just gives you a little something. The problem is we're like Jonah. You know, Jonah, Jonah was very zealous about being a prophet for, for the Jews, and, and, and the Lord called him to go to Nineveh. Nineveh was the enemy. They were the enemy of the Jews, and God said, you're going to tell them that judgment is coming to them, and Jonah didn't want to go. You know why Jonah didn't want to go? 
Because Jonah knew that if he told them and these people repented, that God would be gracious and compassionate and, and he would end up relenting and he wouldn't bring judgment upon them. And Jonah said, well, maybe if I don't go, maybe if I don't tell them the message, then, then they're, they, they've been doing all this stuff. They deserve the judgment of God. They're just going to get the judgment of God. And God said, no, 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 that's not the way it works, Jonah. That's not the way it works. But Jonah's problem was he was upset because he didn't like the way the Lord may handle it. And in our own bitterness, and our own anger, we don't want to show compassion and we don't want to turn the debt over to the Lord because we're afraid that just maybe, just maybe, our enemies might give their lives over to Christ and then they won't get the judgment that we think they deserve and we're going to go, oh, come on, Lord, really? I, can't you just give them a little judgment? They're like, no, that's not me. I'm not spiteful like that, really? Sometimes we don't trust the Lord because we know the mercy and the compassion and the grace that he's shared with us. And we love it for us, but we don't oftentimes love it for our enemies. We want them to get what they deserve. They got to get what's coming to them. But Jesus says, no, you overcome through blessing. You overcome by giving. Those are choices you can make. Nobody can take those choices away from you. Peace in our, rec in our relationships, as far as it depends on us, comes down to what we choose to do in the relationship. Now, there's a difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. Reconciliation is a two-way street. Let me illustrate. All right, Jesus Christ, one-way street. What did he do? He went to the cross. He died for our sin, right? He, he shed his blood. He offers us that forgiveness. He offers us reconciliation with the Father. But reconciliation can't come to pass until we do what? Until we take responsibility for the fact that we are a sinner, that we are in need of his grace, and that we are in need of his forgiveness. Reconciliation can't take place until responsibility for sin, responsibility for wrongdoing is owned. Unless somebody takes ownership and responsibility and says, you know what, I have wronged you, I have hurt you, and, and, and takes responsibility. Too many times, that's what we think, we, we, we mix up forgiveness and reconciliation. See, forgiveness, we can lay down our life for our friend. We can lay down our life for our enemy. We can choose to say, you know what, I'm going to forgive, and as far as it depends on me and the relationship, and don't get arrogant with this, and I'm the bigger person, don't, don't go. Humbly, I recognize, you know what, as far as it depends on me, I'm just going to obey the Lord and I'm going to love you and I'm going to, I'm going to give my life to love you and serve you and show compassion because I'm not going to let a bitter root grow up in my heart. But if this relationship is going to be reconciled, it's a two-way street and it means that there has to be some ownership taken in the relationship for my sin and the way that I have sinned against you for my own debt. Does that make sense? See, Jesus has given his life, but we don't fully benefit from the reconciliation until we take ownership. And in a relationship, both parties have to take ownership. They both have to take ownership of the sin <coughs> that has been caused. In fact, uh, Pastor Craig Rochelle once said this, <coughs> excuse me, your prayer for others may or may not change them, but it will always change you. We can choose to stew up bitter feelings, repay evil for evil, or we can choose the opposite. We can choose to act compassionately. 
We can choose to love. We can choose to pray for those who hurt or offended us. We can choose to bless them. And when you pray, it may not change them. It may not change the circumstance. But prayer will change you. When you serve and give, it will change you. Secondly, you kill bitterness with forgiveness. I want to go to that forgiveness because that's the second part of it. I started to lean into it a little bit. Forgiving each other just as Christ in God forgave you. Now, I know some of you are ready to turn me off right now when, you, when I use the, that F word, forgiveness. I just wondered how many of you caught that. Some of you are asleep. You just completely missed that. That was like, woo, why is everybody laughing? What did he say? Wake up. Wake up. I know it's warm in here. Wake up. You feel as if it's impossible. There is no way I can forgive. It's impossible for me to forgive. I, I, you don't know what they've done for me, and I, I am in no way to take lightly your pain. I'm in no way to take lightly what's been done to you, the hurt that's been done to you, the pain that you've experienced. Please understand that I do not want to take that lightly. I am not taking that lightly. But I do know that the Bible talks about the importance of forgiveness because it's kind of like a prison that we get held to. And I know that some of you are really struggling with some things because of struggling to forgive. And it leads and bleeds over into some other areas of your life. Some of the lack of joy, some of the depression that you experience, some of the, the difficulty that you experience, some of the, the hardness that you experience, some of the, some, I'm going to be honest with you, some of the addictions that you experience. Really, if you will trace it back, come down to an area, a season, something, someone in your life that you are struggling to forgive. And so you medicate in some other areas. You medicate in these other areas. When this stuff comes up, it's so painful. You, it pushes you towards other areas because you are held in a prison. You're held in a prison. So, so please understand, I'm not trying, but as your pastor, I love you. God loves you, and the Word of God talks to us about this area of forgiveness because forgiveness is not something that you generate. It is something you transfer. As God has forgiven you in Christ, so you forgive others. It's not something that you conjure up. It's not something that you generate up. It's something that you transfer. As you recognize how much you have been forgiven, the more you, re you recognize the forgiveness that you have received from Christ, then you are able to love much. Those who are forgiven much love much. And a lot of times the problem with us being able to forgive others is because we have not been able to forgive ourselves. Our guilt is driving us. Our own guilt, our own pain, our own shame, our own inability to receive Christ's forgiveness then doesn't allow us to be able to transfer that forgiveness to others. Again, let's go back to the debt analogy because that's what forgiveness really is. It's about the debt or debtor relationship. And this is what Jesus was talked about. He was asked by Peter, how many times should I forgive? And Jesus gave the following parable. Matthew chapter 18, starting in verse 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And as he began to the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. And since he was not able to pay the master ordered that he and his wife and his children be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I'll pay you back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let it go. Now again, what is Jesus equating forgiveness? Peter asked about forgiveness. How much do we forgive? What does Jesus use an analogy of? He uses a debt analogy, a debt analogy, debt to be settled, and he illustrates it through this story. 
That man, that servant of his, owed him a lot of money. Oh, he owed a lot of money. And when he was called to the task, it's time to pay. It's time to pay. I'm calling in your note. He begged, oh, please, please, don't throw me and my wife and my children in prison. Don't let us be locked up. Please, please take pity on us. We'll pay you back. And instead of demanding a repayment, he simply canceled the debt. He showed him mercy. He had compassion on him and canceled the debt. How many are so glad that's what Jesus Christ did for us? (laughs) That's what he did for us. The sin that we owed, the debt that we owed against him, it was so huge. It was just so big. It just, there was nothing more that we could do. There was no amount of time given, no no amount of good works, no amount of whatever that we could do that could repay that debt. And instead, Jesus canceled the debt. He canceled the debt. He offered forgiveness. Remember when he was on the cross? What did he say? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. The very ones he came to save were inflicting pain and, 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 and would not believe him and instead were shouting, crucify him. And instead he said, Father, forgive them. Forgive them. In other words, cancel the debt. Well, how many know the parable doesn't stop there, right? But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him, began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. And his fellow servant fell on his knees and begged him. Doesn't this sound familiar? Be patient with me and I'll pay you back. But he refused and instead went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay back the debt. Now, I don't know about you, but when you read this story, certainly like the other servants who saw it, we are outraged. How in the world could you demand that? How could you not show the same mercy and compassion that was shown you when your debt was a lot larger and canceled? Now you go out and the first thing you do is you're demanding repayment of a fellow servant who what they owe you is pittance compared to what you you owed. They're doing the, he's doing the very same thing and instead you're showing absolutely no mercy and no compassion. Why? Because you're living with a feeling that you're owed something. And when you have a feeling that you live with, when you continue to go around unforgiveness, you're walking around saying somebody owes me something. You're walking around with a ledger of debt, just like that servant. You're going, okay, somebody owes me, somebody owes me, somebody owes me. And when you do that, what follows is anger. What follows, here he is. What's he do? He grabs his fellow servant. He chokes him. There are some of you that your reactions, the anger that comes out of you is a result of unforgiveness that's in your heart because you're walking around thinking everybody owes you or somebody owes you something. Because of that, you're angry and you're upset. Some of you, maybe your anger isn't outward, but it's inward. You're angry at yourself. Bitter. There's bitterness inside. And that relational debt can never truly be paid back no matter what. And impacts the way you treat others. The one who holds on to anger won't cancel the debt. He's the one who is truly in prison. He's the one that's truly in prison. And that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. In fact, when we hesitate to forgive, we often are looking at it from a perspective of what's been done to me rather than what's been done for me. I'm going to say that again. When we hesitate to forgive, we are often looking at it from a perspective of what's been done to me, rather than what's been done for me. You see, forgiveness is a mindset and a gift to be offered. Now, here's how the parable ends. It's sober. 
Verse 31, when the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in, you wicked servant. He said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And in anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart from your heart. Where is bitterness? Where is anger? Where is the storeroom? The heart. The heart. Where is the debt get canceled? From the heart. From the heart. The injustice that was done as it was discovered by the master, the original debt that had been canceled was suddenly reinstituted. Now the servant was right back where he started in an owing mentality. I owe something, I owe something, I owe something. Oftentimes in life, we're in, we're in both places. We're in a position where we feel like we owe somebody something and a position where we feel like something is owed to us. Here's the thing. Jesus Christ cancels the debt. And when he cancels the debt, if we do not forgive, we will get right back into the prison ourselves where we'll continue to struggle with the guilt of what we owe. Be right back where we started from. Because when we can't forgive, we put ourselves right back in that same position where we feel the weight of what's owed. And we also see that decision to not cancel his fellow debtor didn't just impact him, but it impacted his wife and his children. Some of you, your families are being impacted by your unwillingness to let go of bitterness and forgive. The end of this verse is sobering. This is how... My heavenly Father will treat you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. Again, the heart, the source of life. Because where is everything? Where is that anger? Where is that resentment? Where is that offense? Where is that hurt stored up? Stored up in the heart. And we've got to deal with the heart because out of the overflow of the heart come the wellsprings of life. Out of the abundance of the heart come the words that come out of our mouths, the words that we speak. And so we've got to deal with the heart. Now, I don't want to leave you without some practical tips this morning. How do you do that? Because you're like, oh my goodness, how do we do that? How, how, where do I begin? Where do I begin canceling the debt, receiving healing from bitterness, hurt, offense? Where do I forget? I want to I share with you what I call the forgiveness cycle. The forgiveness cycle. Number one is this. Identify who you're angry with or have bitterness towards. Identify it. Who is it? Who is it? Where does it begin? Some of you know right off the bat. Others of you, you might have to go back through. It might be from another season. Start to make a list. Start to identify. Be very clear. You might want to take your bulletin and start writing on the back. Take it with you. Who is it? Who has hurt you? Who, who is the person that's offended you? Who is the person that, that make that list? Identify. Who is it? Who is it? Maybe it's been carried from another season. Maybe it was a parent. Maybe they're no longer alive. But who is it? Who is it that you need to forgive? Second, what do they owe you? Not only who is it, but what did they do? What do they owe you? Sometimes we, we don't even know. We can't even remember what it was. We just know we're upset. We just know they didn't do it. Go back and think about it. All right, what, did, what is it? What do they owe you? You've got to figure out what the debt is. Maybe it was a promotion you didn't get. Maybe it was you didn't get a childhood where you had two parents that were involved. Maybe you didn't have a happy marriage. You expected your marriage to be different. You expected things to be different. And your spouse just has not lived up to their end of the bargain. And you've been upset about it. What do they owe? Sometimes we cycle through 
we go through a cycle of forgiveness and then anger resurfacing again because we never truly identify the debt that is owed. Secondly, cancel the debt. Cancel the debt. Now, again, I'm going to caution you. You're not, you're not going to go to some, don't go to somebody and go, you know what, I forgive you. I'm the bigger person here. You've wronged me. You've hurt me. And, and you owe me an apology. But you know what? I forgive you. I'm forgiving you. I'm forgiving you. Because you may not get, if they're not taking ownership, that may turn around and cause more pain and more hurt, okay? I, I'm not saying to do that. But there's a couple of things that you can do. All right, there's a couple of things. One of the things you can do is you can begin to write on that list. I'm upset with this person. These are the things that they did to hurt me. And then what you do is as you pray about it, as you begin to pray over them and pray about it, you begin to mark a big X, debt canceled. You just write in big letters, debt canceled, debt canceled. You might need to rip it up. You know what, I'm done. You might need to, like a mortgage burning. You know what, it's over, I'm done. I'm done, I'm done. Maybe you want to put an empty chair. Maybe there's some things that haven't been said. Maybe it's somebody that has passed on. Maybe somebody you don't have contact with. Whatever it is, you may then want to set up a chair right in front. You set up the chair here. You pretend they're in the chair, and you begin to just tell them, listen, these are some of the things you did. These things really hurt me. They hurt me deeply. They upset me deeply. But you know what? Jesus Christ has forgiven me, and I forgive you. I forgive you. There's some powerful illustrations we can do. Things that we can do that you'll be surprised at what you can unlock in your heart if you will just take some time to do that. Fourthly, dismiss the case. Again, forgiving doesn't mean you forget. There are some painful things that get etched. Memories are powerful things. There are things that get imprinted into our memories. Feelings don't always follow forgiveness. You may not feel it. It doesn't always follow forgiveness, but forgiveness is a choice. And when that pain comes up again, when that thing comes up again, the Bible tells us how to deal with that. Take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. You've got to begin to capture those thoughts, capture those seeds, and not allow them to get re-implanted back in your heart again. And how do you do that? Through prayer. Lord, it's coming up again, but I know I forgave them. Father, I, I wrote on their debt canceled. Father, I'm putting it before you. In fact, right now, I'm going to pray blessings over them. I'm going to pray for an opportunity to do good. I'm going I'm to bless. I choose to bless this individual that hurt me. I bless them in the name of Jesus. I bless them in the name of Jesus. And you begin to dismiss the case. I cancel their debt. And then again, opportunity number five here, pray blessings. I led into it, pray blessings. Pray for those who persecute you. Have an opportunity to bless. Pray God's blessing over them. Listen, Jesus had a choice, and he chose to forgive our debt, friends. The question is, will we exercise a habit of forgiveness like he did so that we can keep our heart healthy? Or we, will we allow a root of bitterness to, to get stuck in our heart? Listen, today the Lord wants to heal some of you. He wants to begin a process of healing you to let go of bitterness this Christmas. Let go of bitterness this Christmas and experience the freedom and the joy that can come and the peace that can come into your heart. Let's bow our heads today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If you're here today... And, and you've been struggling with that. You've been struggling with an area, somebody, somebody has hurt you, something has happened in your life, and you, you struggle with this area of forgiveness. You struggle with, with these things, and you say, you know, I, I, I want to be free. 
I want to be free. I want to be free. You recognize I need prayer. This is not an easy thing. It's not in human nature. It's not in my nature to do this. But I recognize I need to do this. I've got to let go. I've got to forgive. I've got to let go. If that's you, will you slip up your hand today? Pastor, will you pray for me? Pastor, will you pray for me? This is an area I'm struggling with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Father, you see the hands. Lord, first and foremost, we just come and we bring, we bring that debt that is owed. We bring, Lord, that pain that has been done. We bring that hurt. We bring that situation, that circumstance. And Father, we lay it before you. Whatever it is right now in prayer, you just begin to speak it, even if it's just quietly to the Lord or in your heart. Begin to say, Lord, this is the area that I've been hurt. This is the person who hurt me. Father, it's painful and it hurts. Father, as we lay these things out before you, as we begin to put these things, Father, on your altar, I, I pray right now for, Lord, just uh, for you to just sweep over us right now with your love. I pray for healing. Lord, supernatural healing. You can do healing. You can do healing, Father. You can do healing. I just pray for healing in Jesus' name. Father, I pray that you will remind us right now in this moment of how much we've been forgiven. Remind us, Father, of our own debt to you and how much you love us. I just pray, Lord, that we would begin to operate out of a transfer of how much we've been loved. That we'd be able to transfer that to others, Lord, who have caused us pain, who have hurt us. Father, in the name of Jesus, right now, I just pray that you would begin to wash over this place. Jesus, right now, we take that ledger out and we put it before you. God, it's tough for us. We can't, we can't cancel this debt on our own, but we put it before you. We say, Lord, it's yours. It's yours. I don't want to repay. I, as far as it depends on me, I, I don't want to act in anger. I'm done. I put it in your hands. You deal with it, Lord. According to your grace, according to your mercy, according to your holiness, according to you, the righteous judge, you know and you judge. And I put it in your hands. I put this person in my life that has caused me such pain, I put them in your hands. Oh God, I pray that you would restore health and healing, health and healing to my heart today. Ask the Lord to restore health and healing to your heart. Lord, restore that health and healing. Take out that bitter root. Root out the bitterness in my heart. In Jesus' name. Root out the bitterness in my heart. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. If you haven't received Christ as your Savior, you haven't had your sin debt forgiven, just ask the Lord right now, Father, forgive me, for I have sinned against you. Father, forgive me, for I have sinned against you. Cleanse me, Lord. Cancel my sin debt, I ask, through the blood of Jesus Christ. I put my faith and my trust in you. I confess my sin to you. And Lord, there is no other hope except for your forgiveness. You are my Savior. And I ask you for your forgiveness today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, let's stand today, and we're just going to close just with focusing on the Lord, just with worship. The song is, oh, come to the altar. And if you need prayer today, maybe you need healing in your life, maybe you just want somebody to pray with you because you've been carrying around pain or hurt, 
and you want someone to pray with you. Maybe you gave your life to Christ and you want someone to pray with you today. Will you come and let us pray with you today? Will you come and let us just pray with you today? Come on. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We pray that you are encouraged and strengthened by God's word. For more information about Painesville Assembly of God, please visit PainesvilleAG.com.